This is 100 Days of Dante, a podcast journey through Dante's divine comedy, one canto at a time. Join us online at 100daysofdante.com. Let's read together. At the start of Canto 27, we've nearly reached the top of Mount Purgatory as we continue with Dante through the lair of the lustful. It's difficult not to share in the pilgrim's increasing desire to enter the spheres of paradise and as a part of this, finally to see Beatrice. In fact, much of this canto is about desire and the proper place of our desires in the context of heaven. As we will see, for the Christian poet, desires are to be perfected, not dismissed. Well, how does Dante show us this? Before the pilgrim can enter paradise, he must pass through the purging fires of this realm of the lustful, the final layer of correction in purgatory that we already had some glimpses of in Canto 26. Well, Dante is far from excited to do this, to pass through the fire. Indeed, the pilgrim remains frozen for a bit, staring with fear at the flames, despite Virgil's promise that he will not be burned. Now, I imagine we can all commiserate a bit with Dante here. Passing through the cleansing fire for any sin is often uncomfortable, if not truly painful. That is, admitting one's sins and abandoning one's sinful habits can be challenging. For Dante the Pilgrim, being purified of the sin of lust is described as more excruciating than being thrown into a pool of molten glass. As soon as I was in, he says, I would have thrown myself straight into molten glass to cool myself. So beyond measure was the burning there. Importantly, this is one of the few instances in which we see the pilgrim actually experiencing the punishment of the sinners in purgatory. Dante the poet appears to be presenting a confession of sorts to his readers, to us, a confession of his own sins, not just that of his fictional pilgrim. It's a confession that's not easy to make. Again, I think this illustrates the difficulty we all likely have experienced acknowledging and leaving behind some sin or another. It can be painful and humiliating, even when we are reminded that doing so heals rather than harms. What's particularly remarkable, however, and what I really love about this canto is the means by which Dante succeeds in completing this final bit of his ascent up Mount Purgatory. Virgil, seeing Dante's reluctance to enter the fire, encourages him with a reminder of Beatrice. He says, when he saw me stay, unmoved and obstinate, he said, somewhat disturbed, now look, my son, this wall stands between Beatrice and you. As at the name of Thisbe, though on the point of death, Pyramus raised his lids and gazed at her. That time the mulberry turned red, just so my stubbornness made pliant, I turned to my wise leader when I heard the name that ever blossoms in my mind. These words, or more simply the name Beatrice, motivate Dante, who compares himself to Pyramus, essentially the prototype of Romeo, to enter into the flames of purgation. Then, once the pilgrim is in the fire and experiencing immense pain, Virgil continues to <clears throat> motivate and console him by again speaking of Beatrice. And my sweet father, to comfort me, kept speaking of Beatrice 
as he went, saying, even now I can almost see her eyes. Wait, what's going on here? To get through the flames of lust, Dante fixes his mind on a beautiful woman, and moreover, a woman he has a major crush on. Doesn't that seem problematic? Well, perhaps for poets of the pagan past, but not for Dante. When we think back to Virgil's Aeneid, or even to Homer's epics, women are often portrayed as major stumbling blocks to the male protagonist. More specifically, women are often portrayed as lustful temptresses who must be completely cast aside. Think, for instance, about Dido in the Aeneid, queen of Carthage, but also a sort of embodiment of unrestricted sexual passion. She nearly keeps Aeneas from fulfilling his divinely ordained duty to found a city in Italy. To overcome this obstacle, his desire to be with Dido, to complete his quest, Aeneas must ditch Dido, which he does, leaving her to kill herself in despair. Now, thinking back to the circle of the lustful in the Inferno, we might expect Dante the poet to hold a similar understanding of sexual desire as at best a distraction to be cast aside and women as dangerous temptresses. After all, the poet puts Dido in the circle of the lustful, even when one might expect her to be among the suicides. But here on Mount Purgatory, we get a different picture of passionate desire or of longing for the other. In order to continue his divinely appointed quest, Dante is not called to abandon this desire or abandon the woman for whom he possesses a deep love. On the contrary, he's reminded of Beatrice, who will soon become his guide through much of Paradiso. What exactly is Dante the poet doing here? Well, I think he's reworking the ancient and even a common medieval understanding of desire or of, of eros, the longing to be with the other or the longing for the other. For Dante, escaping a perverse approach to Eros doesn't necessarily mean abandoning that desire or abandoning one's beloved. It, <clears throat> it doesn't require a ditching of Dido. In fact, a warped understanding of desire or an indulgence in lust is the way that one abandons the beloved. The sin of lust is a wall that keeps Dante from Beatrice. Correcting his desire will allow him to see her eyes. In other words, for the Christian poet, a pure vision of the beloved, a chaste but still passionate desire that allows and leads one to see into the eyes, into the soul of the beloved, that is the remedy for lustful desire. Simply running away or adopting some sort of stoicism isn't sufficient. Indeed, the perfection, not the rejection of one's desires, is essentially the entire purpose of purgatory. This is something that Virgil reminds us of at the end of this canto, when he speaks the last words he utters in the whole Commedia. The temporal fire in the eternal, you have seen my son, and now come to a place in which unaided I can see no farther. No longer wait for word or sign from me, your will is free, upright and sound. Not to act as it chooses is unworthy. Over yourself I crown and miter you. Now, as Virgil prepares to hand over his role as guide to Beatrice, he commends the pilgrim to his own purified will. Cleansed from the lingering effects of the fall, from concupiscence, Dante and all souls who enter paradise are to act just as their wills dictate because their wills, their desires, are now fully aligned to the will of God. That has essentially been the purpose of the purging of purgatory. 
Thank you for reading Dante's Divine Comedy with us. Continue the journey at 100daysofdante.com. 100 Days of Dante is brought to you by the Baylor University Honors College with support from the Torrey Honors College at Biola University, the Templeton Honors College at Eastern University, the University of Dallas, Whitworth University, and Gonzaga University in Florence.